You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we're back on the Paracast. Chris, however, is not at his home studio. He is in New Mexico on a secret voyage. No, it's not so secret. I'll tell you about it in a few minutes. You know, I want to start this discussion and relate it to last week's great debate with Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey over the Aztec crash. I want to make a few observations, and then Chris will chime in with his. And that is, now I grew up in a small town called Brooklyn, New York, with about two and a half or three million people. But Aztec New Mexico today has, what, 65, 6,600 people. In small town America, especially during the 40s and 50s, everybody knew everybody. The local newspaper had all the stuff that's going on, the births, the marriages, everything else. So now, just imagine now that in March of 1948, a flying saucer lands or crash lands in a nearby area called Hart Canyon. Some people see it, but then the military convoys come in. They build these one or more concrete slabs. We know of one of them. And they cart this thing away. And you know who knows about this in 1948 and 1949? Nobody. This happened under their sight. There was no word about the presence of the military. No word about a UFO crash. Everything about this case appears to begin with a 1950 book called Behind the Flying Saucers by Frank Scully. Now, this isn't to say that Scott Ramsey hasn't found people or people who knew people who claimed to have seen this flying saucer, a spaceship, or whatever it was. But as Kevin Randall pointed out during the interview, the key issue here is that the record doesn't predate the Scully book which possibly polluted the information pool. The local newspaper had nothing about it. Now, Ramsey says this newspaper was kind of like a shopper, you know, local merchants and ads and everything. But I assure you, if anything that important occurred, any local newspaper I know about would have something about it. And they didn't. What's your take on this, Chris? Well, yeah, and I agree, and that's something I kept bringing up uh, throughout the episode, is do we have any evidence that predates the Scully book? And that, that to me, is really important for the Ramses to establish something, anything, some sort of evidence chain that goes back before the first known mention of it. And uh, I think until they do that, it's, we're just going to have you know, a standstill in terms of any sort of forward motion, forward progress on ascertaining the reality of the Aztec crash. But to be honest with you, Gene, I've always, whenever I heard Aztec over the last 25 years, however long I've been interested in this subject, I, I always had the feeling that, that there was really nothing to it. I think the Ramses have some pretty compelling evidence uh, to suggest that something happened. But again, until we can really determine uh, some sort of evidence prior to the Scully book, I think we're going to be spinning our wheels with it. What can I say? This is one of those problems where yeah. we can be talking till the end of time and we're dealing with an event that happened 65 years ago. Yep, it's time. The clock is ticking on it. So, Well, the clock is already ticked off and the alarm bells have rung. 
So what does someone like a Scott Ramsey do today? But I think the real issue is here, if such a thing really happened, would it be possible to cover it up in a way that nobody in the community would know about it? That, that would be really uh, difficult to do, especially back then. Everything that happens, in, in coming from a small town in, in Colorado after 13 years, I can tell you that it's really difficult for something major like that to occur and not have any sort of word get out. You know, you have just down the road from Aztec, we're going to be talking about that, this particular area of, of New Mexico. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that have gone on over the years. And there is a lot of evidence and people, uh, witnesses, and, and, and actual documentation that we can go to to ascertain the reality of some of these uh, rumors and reports and, and other things, as we'll, we'll talk about later here in the show. But uh, again, I think it would be almost impossible for something that big to have all that type of equipment move through a small town, even at night, without somebody taking notice and uh, start poking around trying to find out what's going on. Small town folks tend to be like that. They tend to be very protective. They tend to be very curious and very alert and aware of their surroundings and things that are going on. So is there a point where someone like a Scott Ramsey has to say, well, this is the best I can do? And we can't go any further because a lot of the book is devoted not to presenting evidence of the case, but to resurrect the reputation of Frank Scully, Leo Jabauer, or however you pronounce it, I don't care, and Silas Newton. Because if you don't do that, there is no credibility, whatever, that you can attach to this case. Right. Exactly. And I, I think uh, one of the things that I found very compelling was the uh, Denver sting operation that was set up to try to get uh, the photographs and that the government got involved. I think that's very interesting. And I think the Ramseys should try to dig into that particular scenario of the guy offering to sell photographs uh, and then being set up by the cops. And then, you know, I, I didn't really, I don't feel that there's enough resolution on how, how that story played out. And it'd be really interesting to see uh, some more information uh, if they could somehow dig it up. Well, it all goes back to the beginning, though. Did a UFO crash at Aztec, New Mexico? It's not something I think we'll ever be able to prove. Now, no. it's a very different case with Roswell, because in Roswell, there was newspaper coverage. Yes, they first said it was a flying saucer, then it was a balloon. But there was coverage. People were involved. People knew about it. So whatever answer or solution you ascribe to Roswell, is it a test aircraft? Is it a UFO? Is it a balloon of some sort? Whatever it is, an event occurred. Something happened. That can be demonstrated with eyewitness testimony, with documents of the period. There's no paper trail for Aztec that precedes Frank Scully's book. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Chris is just gone. As a matter of fact, I see him just traveling farther and farther away. Now, I'm not saying there was no... Aztec crash or landing or whatever the heck it was. I'm just saying is that the trail, as far as I can see, is pretty cold. And at the same time, though, it's not as if the Ramses are trying to play a game to make money. Because as far as I can tell, Scott Ramsey is a successful business person. He doesn't need the money. If he spent, as he says, half a million dollars to investigate Aztec, he'll never get that money back. Clearly, he had money to burn. Clearly, he didn't feel the loss of that money. Clearly, he's dedicated to what he's doing. 
if he's on the right path, maybe he'll come up with something. I'm just skeptical. But I also am concerned about people who think he's being deceptive, who think he is slippery as an eel. Now, he knows his stuff, but no, I can't I, I, see that he's being deceitful. Yeah, you, you've got it. You, you, I, I don't think that you can, in, in all fairness, question his motivations. I think he's very passionate about the subject and has done a really good job at least uncovering the amount of uh, amazing amount of information that he has uncovered. But, you know, it doesn't really matter until we can, as it keeps it sound like a broken record, we need to ascertain something, anything prior to the Scully book. Okay, but we have something here today that has more authority to it, I'm quite sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to be a fascinating interview. Now, you're surrounded by some of the most gruesome photographs I've ever seen, stacks of police reports. Um, amazing uh, evidence, physical evidence found at mutilation sites. So this is going to be a very interesting show today, Gene. Okay, so we have Greg Valdez, and he is the son of Gabe Valdez, a New Mexico State Patrolman, and he has a new book out called Dulce Base, The Truth and Evidence from the Case Files of Gabe Valdez. A lot coming up here, and this is an on-the-scene broadcast Chris and Greg are right there in a special makeshift studio. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
There is a false sense of security that the greatest economic crash since the Great Depression is over. But unemployment is still at a 20-year high, and until Americans are working again, the economy has not recovered. What is the smartest investment you can make? It's food. Having a supply of eFoods Direct 25-year shelf life food is your best investment for the troubled times today and the future. For 32 years, the folks at eFoods Direct have helped thousands take the trouble out of troubled times. So to celebrate our 32-year anniversary, get the best insurance possible with a special one-time offer. A two-month food supply for only $320 and free shipping. That's 352 servings of our newest and most popular award-winning recipes at less than a dollar per serving. The 25-year shelf life allows you to lock your food cost against inflation. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. The two-month supply is only available for a limited time. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, and Chris on location in New Mexico, Albuquerque, right? Yep, correct. Okay, on location with Greg Valdez. And just to give you a brief on this, Greg is author of a book called Dulce Base, The Truth and Evidence from the Case Files of Gabe Valdez. And Chris is also gathering information for his new book called Stalking the Herd. So you all came together. So, Chris, how did... I'm going to start interviewing you, and then you can interview Greg (laughs) there. How did you get involved with the Valdez's and also this particular book? Well, um, Gene, my... My involvement actually uh, stems all the way back to the early 90s when I met Greg's father, uh, Gabe Valdez, uh, who at the time uh, had just, I think, was just retiring as a New Mexico State Patrolman. He was based in the Dulce area. He actually grew up in Chama, which is the next town uh, to the west of of Dulce and uh, in Rio Rio County. And Gabe, of course, uh, knew Tom Adams, David Perkins, Linda Howe. Um, Howard Burgess, uh, a, a, a lot of the people that I had initially approached to get myself up to speed about the, uh, the un- unexplained livestock death phenomenon. And Gabe was very, very helpful. I found him to be uh, very credible, uh, a crack law enforcement officer, a good investigator. He gave me all sorts of great tips 
how to do things, how to how to interview people properly, and and I was very grateful uh, uh, for that sort of help and and suggestions and and instructions on how to how to really maximize my potential as an investigator out in the field. And uh, through the years, you know, Gabe investigated uh, I don't know dozens of cattle mutilation cases in the mid mid to late seventies into the eighties. He was really at the forefront of one of the hardest hit areas. Uh, ranching areas in the country, especially around the uh, the Gomez ranches uh, outside of Dulce. And uh, Greg, as a kid, used to accompany his dad on some of these investigations and was actually present at some very, very, uh, <laughs> I would say, almost historic cases that we have uh, documentation on. And uh, Gabe was a meticulous documentarian. He, he, fi- he kept copies of all his files, hundreds of photographs, um, he actually found physical evidence at sites, including tripod marks, a gas mask, a radar a chafe. We're going to get into all these things as we progress through the show. But what I'd first like to do is get uh, Greg to tell us a little bit about his background, um, how he really developed an interest enough to to accompany his dad on some of the trips and give us a little, uh, you know, just a kind of a sense of how he really got hooked by this whole thing. So, Greg, uh, welcome to the Paracast. Why don't you go ahead and kind of give us uh, uh, some background on yourself uh, and explain how you got involved with all this for our listeners out there. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate being on the show. Um, to give you a little bit of background, like you mentioned earlier, I used to accompany my dad on all, all these cases. <laughs> Growing up as a kid, it's pretty interesting to see all these strange lights, dead cows, even though that might be kind of gross for some people. But um, I used to ride around with him. As I got older, I became a state police officer and following the footsteps of my dad. And um, then she became a DEA agent. I'm retired from DEA. So um, I followed a career in law enforcement like my father, as I mentioned earlier. But it's always something I've been interested in. Um, Dulce was a hot spot for a lot of things, especially the mutilations. Um, of course, the story of the Dulce base came out later. But um, even UFO sightings was a hot topic for Dulce, and it seems like we had anyone and everyone that was an expert in the field would end up at our house in Dulce. And um, just by luck of the draw, my dad being involved, I got to meet a lot of the the top investigators that have been in this field for, it's going on 40 years now. So it's just an interest I've always had. And um, me and my dad, it was something we always talk about when he was alive, and we'd always compare notes on new stuff, old stuff, and whatever was developing. Well, you have a new book out, and, and I, I really must say first, you know, at the top of the show here, that I really appreciate the amount of work that it went in went into uh, getting this book uh, completed, and it's filled with uh, some very surprising uh, things in there. I, I've already learned a lot just by reading it and getting a better sense of your dad's thinking. Of course, your dad was kind of handcuffed uh, in the latter years of his investigative work by his his affiliation with the National Institute of Discovery Sciences, and we'll get into that too later on in the show. But what was your impression as a kid when you were going out in the 70s um, on some of these cattle mutilation cases? What, what was your sense of this? Did you think that we were looking at, at predator damage? Um, how, how are the ranchers responding to this? Um, there's been, obviously, over the years, a lot of controversy about what is causing these animal deaths. I think uh, just by looking at some of the files and photographs that you've showed me here, I think we can pretty much rule out predators when you have an animal that's been, one whole side has been baked by microwaves. I don't think, the coyotes have bad breath, but not that bad. 
so why don't you give us a, a sense of what it was like as a kid going out there? Well, like you mentioned earlier, my dad was very meticulous in his, in his investigations, and that included murders, rapes, whatever the case. That was his job. He loved his job, and he was good at it. He also applied that to the cat emulation. Some people might have viewed this as just merely a dead cow, but when you think about it, it was pretty groundbreaking that they had a retired scientist, Howard Burgess, come and start documenting scientific evidence for what most people would just view as a dead cow. They took it very serious. Now, these ranchers, they've been doing this all their life. They know the difference between a cow that's been killed by coyotes, predators, whatever the case. They're not going to call my dad in a panic back in this day if it wasn't something that they knew was out of the ordinary. Of course, you have the Kenneth Rommel story, which kind of muddied the waters. But um, it was always apparent that it wasn't predators. They looked at everything you can think of in the Dulce area, a cult group, a local pranksters, so saint worshippers, aliens, you name it, but it always st- pointed back towards a government or some human entity involved at one point or another. That's one thing that I noticed, your dad, when he was interviewed towards the latter years of his life, and we did lose your dad, uh, I think in August of 2011, if I'm not mistaken, which is a real loss for the for the investigation, investigation community, I must say. He was like a grandfather to a lot of us. Uh, like I said in the beginning, he was really one of the top investigators and, and, and probably had the most grounded sense about all this stuff. It was very difficult to, for him to jump to conclusions. He would not do that. He would let the evidence do the, the jumping to conclusions uh, based on the evidence. So, you know, one thing that he was pretty reluctant to talk about, especially in the last couple of interviews that he did, including an interview I think he did about a week before he died with Open Minds, it seemed like he was getting ready to come out and really start pointing fingers. He never really did publicly. Of course, he did talk to some of us, and and it was confidential. So, you know, I didn't ever say, well, you know, State Patrolman Gabe Valdez told me this and that it's this, that it's that. You know, I always honored that uh, request for being off the record. But what can you say now about his thinking? I mean, he, he went through three decades almost of, of investigations, and and you were very close to him, obviously, being the, the son that was took the most interest in his, in his extracurricular work, as it was. How, how could you sum up your dad's thinking about the mutilation phenomenon? Is there a way to do that? Before we have that answer, we have to do our break. We have Greg Valdez, author of Dulce Base, The Truth and Evidence from the Case Files of Gabe Valdez. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. 
Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. People are taking charge of their lives with healthier lifestyles. That's why you have to experience the Raleigh-Durham Gluten and Allergen-Free Wellness Event. One day only, Saturday, August 17th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Durham Convention Center in Durham, North Carolina. Explore the Gluten and Allergen-Free Wellness Event, where learning is fun and delicious. Discover the world of gluten-free with free samples, cooking demonstrations, and lectures with well-known members of the gluten-free community. Enter the raffle and you could win the grand prize of a catered barbecue from Bonesuckin' Sauce valued at $3,000. The Raleigh-Durham Gluten and Allergen Free Wellness Event August 17th at the Durham Convention Center. For more, visit R-A-L-E-I-G-H glutenfreeexpo.blogspot.com RaleighGlutenfreeexpo.blogspot.com Presented by Udy's Gluten-Free Glutino. Enjoy Life Foods and Longevity. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin V, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? With Ian and Chris in the Paracast, we have Greg Valdez joining us. Chris asked Greg a lengthy question, as is Chris's want. Greg, your response? Well, I know it's frustrating for my dad because... This case, he's been involved with it for nearly 40 years before he passed away. And um, I heard some of the interviews you were talking about. He had, he couldn't talk about it because what a lot of people don't realize, when he was working for the National Institute of Discovery Science, or NIDS, out of um, Las Vegas, they made him sign a non-disclosure agreement. 
And of course, I didn't sign the non-disclosure agreement. Some people laugh. I don't know if I'll be laughing about that here in a few months. But So I knew a lot of the stuff that he couldn't talk about. He wanted to, but he just legally couldn't because it would put him in a bind that he, didn't, he knew better than to mess with. So that's why... You don't want to step on a billionaire's toes. No, I don't. That's just not a headache I need to deal with. So I knew it was frustrating for him because he knew the answer to a lot of the questions that people would ask him, but he just legally he couldn't say it because he was in a bind where he couldn't comment on it. And it was frustrating for him because, like we mentioned earlier, he's very meticulous, and this is one of the cases that has haunted him. You know, he handled plenty of cases as a state police officer, and he used to pride himself in solving those cases. And that was his motivation to solve the mutilation mystery and the UFO mystery in Dulce. Who did he think was behind it? You mentioned uh, the government. Uh, that, that's a theory, one of three theories. Uh, a lot of people think that... Uh, it's either the government, it's misidentified scavenger action, let's say. Um, there are a few cases that could be some sort of cult activity, but the majority of cases, I've always felt, had some sort of government connection to them. Obviously, there's, there's people uh, who look at the high strange cases, and there are a number of them, I must say, that can't be explained readily. There's been investigators like Linda Howe who look at the high strange cases, and and have come up with the theory that aliens are here to, uh, for various reasons, uh, gathering cattle parts. Um, I personally feel that that is the least likely expo- explanation. But uh, getting back to your dad, I mean, uh, how did his thinking evolve uh, in terms of, of the government's involvement? Uh, give us kind of a sense of, of how the, you know, the evidence chain just started to stack up and point in that direction. How it started is just basic investigative work, which a lot of people I think have ignored in the past, is you follow the evidence, you don't create evidence to make your theories fit. So, especially in this day and age with the internet, keep in mind this was the 70s, I didn't have the internet libraries up in Dulce, so it was a lot harder to gather this information, but as time went on, he was able to piece it together from his work um, with NIDS, other associates, people like Chris, Tommy Bland, other investigators that he'd been working with for years, there's a lot of different government agencies involved, and then there's one main government agency that kind of, basically they give them the money is what it comes down to. So you have Department of Energy, um, you have the Air Force Special Weapons Lab out of Kirtland Air Force Base, um, Atomic Energy Commission back in the early days with the gas buggy projects. You have your three-letter agencies like NSA, CIA involved in this through the Paul Benowitz story, which is documented in the book. So they're all intertwined. And you have to look at history. Um, the easiest way for me to explain is if you look at the history of the Nevada test site in Area 51, it has nothing to do with aliens, just their basic operation of how they developed Project Blackbird and, you know, some of these, the stealth project and these aircraft. It gives you a good, good idea of how they operate, how the agencies are intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. And then one main agency usually just pays the bills and they're the one that controls everything. And if you apply that thinking and investigative technique towards emulations, this UFO um, mystery, it all starts to make sense and it comes together. And there's plenty of evidence to support it, which is more important. So basically what I'm hearing is that it's a multi-agency or uh, it's multiple groups that have some sort of intertwined agenda. Why do they have a need to mutilate cattle, though, and other livestock? Uh, Is there – do you think your dad was – really came up with a concrete answer to that? Does it, I mean, what, what was his, uh, his thinking on the government's motivation to do these cases? The motivation, in the, from my dad's point of view, in the early relations, they were finding evidence of 
it looks like the entities involved were investigating radiation type poisoning. This ties back into Project Plowshare because, of course, most people are aware nearby outside of Dulce was Project Gas Buggy, which was one of these Project Plowshare projects. Um, they've had them throughout the nation. Yeah, and, and, and that's, uh, I think it was a 29 kiloton nuclear device that they exploded underground in December 67, if I remember correctly, just after the Snippy case over the mountains in the San Luis Valley. And they exploded this uh, tactical nuke, I guess, underground to free up gas deposits and ended up irradiating all the gas, and uh, El Paso Gas couldn't even use it, I think, if, if I remember correctly. So you think that they were monitoring radiation levels uh, as a result of that? Yes, because, um, like, again, once again, there's evidence that shows the gas buggy site actually had a leak up until around 96, I believe, and they didn't know where the leak was coming from. And um, that's one of the plowshare sites that was, they did have contamination. Also, they didn't, um, the contaminated gas, they flared it off, which means they just burned the gas off. But that doesn't eliminate the nuclear contamination. That just burns off the gas. And um, the prevalent winds in that area, the nuclear fallout would have flown right into Dulce, Chama, or Rio Riba County. Um, you also have test sites like Ruleson, Colorado, Trinidad, Colorado. You saw a lot of mutilation rates in those areas also in the San Luis Valley. And I don't think I need to tell Chris about that. <laughs> no. So there was early ties where it looked like a lot of these mutilations were used to be testing for um, radiation-type contamination, and that's why the cattle were being used. Um, going back to Nevada test site, the Nevada test site had their own herd of cattle that they were testing for these type of issues. Now, I'm not saying that's that specific program. It's called the Animal Investigative Program. Is not the whole reason for the mutilations. But if you look into that program, it'll tell you why cattle were being used because the bone marrow of two- to three-year-old cattle was used to diagnose certain types of cancers. And in Dulce, they were finding that the pattern for the mutilated cows would follow two- to three-year-old cows. So that started to make sense, why a certain age group of cattle were being found mutilated. So the animal investigative program out of the Nevada test site isn't the entity that you blame for the mutilations, but it gives you a lot of good evidence as why cattle were being used for these type of experiments and what they were looking for. So that was the early mutilations they were finding in Dulce. Um, when my dad started working for NIDS in the late 90s, he noticed mutilations were changing. And they didn't have as many in the Dulce area, but they were having a lot in Red River, New Mexico, Angel Fire, New Mexico. And it seemed like the pattern of the mutilations had changed from more radiation testing to more of a weapons development testing. And a lot of it seemed to be based off of microwave um, weapons technology. Hmm. Well, this works for um, our neck of the woods out here um, in northern New Mexico, southern Colorado, um, the area around the Four Corners, let's say, east of the Four Corners. But how about out in the Midwest? Uh, I mean, do you think that there were similar motivations out there? Um, you tended to have older cows out there, cows that had just, uh, you know, oftentimes had just given birth to a calf. Uh, the Front Range uh, of Colorado, very, very hard hit. Um, parts of Texas, uh, Kansas, Iowa. Well, do you think the motivations uh, by these, uh, let's say, hypothetical government uh, testing program, do you think that their motivations were the same out there? Yes, it uh, appears so because in the early mutilations, um, 
they start correlating the, the fallout rates from the nuclear testing at the Nevada test site and even like the Project Plowshare sites. There seemed to be a correlation between the fallout that was caused by the Nevada test site and the mutilation rates. Um, they were also testing weather, weather patterns, and um, they noticed that when the jet stream would dip down into northern New Mexico, they'd see an increase in mutilations in northern New Mexico. When it would move up to, like, Montana, Idaho, they'd see an increase in mutilations up in that area. So they didn't know if they were testing fallout, um, but that was the best indication of to predict when the next uh, rash of mutilations would come. In the northern New Mexico area, some nights they'd have four in one night. Four in one night. night. That's the way to stop it, Greg, for a second as we do our break. We'll get back to that. And you can finish your answer in a moment. We have Greg Valdez joining Gene and Chris. You're in Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called MicroPlant Powder Gold. MicroPlant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make MicroPlant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today. Ceramic Body Armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike Ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel Body Armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor just won't quit. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. 
Visit the Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey Guy. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we have Greg Valdez, and we're exploring primarily cattle mutilations. And before we broke, he was in the middle of an answer to one of Chris's long questions. Greg, you said that in one night there were four mutilations. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Raleigh Tafoya, who was actually the tribal police chief in Dulce, he had four of his cows killed in one night. So they'd see a lot in a short period of time, and then they wouldn't have them for several months, and then they'd have more again, or they'd move to another area like Red River or Trinidad, Colorado, or San Luis Valley. Like Chris mentioned earlier, the Midwest, um, they'd get them up in Montana. Canada had a lot for a while, because my dad actually went up there and spoke to the Royal Canadian Mounted Patrol about the mutilation wave they were having up in Canada. Um, so they were pretty sporadic, but um, as I mentioned earlier, when you look at the fallout rates for a lot of this nuclear testing, those seem to correlate with uh, the mutilation rates and where they were having the high mutilation rates. It's nothing solid, but that's the best thing they were able to determine. So uh, David Perkins came up with a theory very early on that... Um, he seemed to notice uh, areas of high incidence uh, of these uh, unexplained livestock deaths uh, tended to be downstream and downwind of these uh, uh, areas where not only above ground testing, underground testing was occurring, but also weapons uh, labs where we enrich uranium, um, where we create triggers, let's say, and uh, nuclear power plants. Any, any place where we would uh, utilize radioactive materials downwind and downstream, he figured, this is in, I think, 78. He came up with this theory. But, but Greg, you, you mentioned that uh, there seemed to be a shift uh, that took place. Uh, we did have sort of a lull period in the end of the 80s. And then it seemed like all of a sudden down in Alabama, um, we've had Ted Oliphant on the show prior to this. Uh, down in Alabama, he investigated uh, a, a few dozen cases down there. And, and he suspected weapons testing. That possibly they were testing some sort of bioagent. Now, when people talk to you about this subject, and they they uh, they might be a little skeptical, oftentimes I hear, 
well, how can these people pull this off and never have some equipment break down, uh, somebody mess up so that uh, you know these these particular perpetrators can be identified? I mean, how 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 can they be so slick and get away with upwards of possibly ten thousand cases? Uh, that number's been b- bannered around through the years. Um, I think it might be high, but um, what do you think? I mean, how how these guys are pretty slick if they can do this. Uh, it, for so many years and not get caught. Well, that's one of the reasons that they were always suspecting either a large pharmaceutical company or the government or something that's well-funded because it takes a lot of resources to pull this off. Right. Of course, if you, you've been in northern New Mexico. I can't speak for Alabama or where Ted's been at or some of these places in Texas that have had mutilations, but I can speak for Dulce. This pretty rugged area, and it's it's pretty remote. There's not a lot of people where they were finding these cattle. So it was relatively actually easy for them to conduct emulations up in northern New Mexico because it's so sparsely populated. And that might be a reason why they had so many in the area. It was just easier to operate. And then you add that with the proximity to some of our national labs and Kirtland Air Force Base. That makes sense why they might have picked Dulce and why they might have had so many in Rio Riva County. It's just it's rugged country. You know, Sometimes those ranchers can't get to their cattle for several days because they get up in the high country and there's just not a lot of people to, to view things. So um, that might be a reason why they never caught anyone in the act. You know, people ask me all the time uh, about cases prior to the infamous Snippy the Horse case in September 67. In all, all your dad's uh, forays in the area and, of course, living up there and then you're talking to locals up there. Did you ever hear any stories or, or of any cases that happened back in the 50s or early 60s? No. In Dulce, they, the original story started in 76 with the Gomez mutilations. Um, they were seeing the weird lights. We call them UFOs. That's for everyone to determine on their own. But those lights, and they started seeing those around the same time period, which is 76, when this whole hotbed of activity started in the Dulce area. And also, one of the photographs that you have here is pretty intriguing. Uh, your ubiquitous black helicopter shot. Uh, helicopters were seen as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they were pretty common in Dulce during this whole time period. And they there's still reports, random reports, of people, locals that I've talked to, they still see them every once in a while in the Dulce area. So, but that was pretty common. We'd see them all pretty frequently, almost as much as the mysterious lights that we were seeing at night. So, there were a couple of cases too, if memory serves me correct, where your dad found physical evidence on the site. Um, in one one case, in particular, tripod marks, um, and, and also other physical evidence, which is, if you know anything about this subject, you know that finding physical evidence at a Mutilation site is extremely uh, rare. It does not happen very often. Even just simple things like tracks are, are often never found. Well, why don't you talk uh, a little bit about some of the physical evidence that they were able to find at sites, being you know a, a very good investigator. If there was something there, your dad would be able to find it. And uh, I see pictures here of a gas mask. That's, that's a pretty interesting story. Actually, on three of the mutilations, two of them were two separate Gomez mutilations, and one of them was a mutilation up in Red River in the late 90s. The two Gomez ones were early. One was in the 76, the first mutilation, and one was, I believe, 78. They found evidence of what looked like tripod marks. They were exact same dimensions. I think they were like 18 inches apart and 9 inches or 6 inches wide. Don't quote me on the exact dimensions. but They found them on three different mutilation sites. On the first Gomez site, um, 
when Manuel first found his cow, he noticed those tripod marks. He went back into town to call my dad. And when they went out the next day to look at the cow, there was more tripod marks on top of his tire tracks from the day before. So it looked like whoever, whatever was killing his cow went back and finished the job. And when he first found the first cow, the I think it was the left ear was still intact when he went first initially found the cow. When he went back into town again to call my dad, when he came back, that ear was missing. So someone had come back and and um, finished the mutilation, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. and they landed on top of his tire tracks. And from those tire tracks, some smaller marks went to the cow, and it looked like it, it had followed the cow where the cow finally died and laid on its side. And it looked like the aircraft, we're assuming it's an aircraft because of <laughs> the technology, um, it landed on a stump and it almost tipped over when it landed from the impressions that it left in the dirt. So that was one of the things that Howard Burgess and my dad started looking at when they first got involved in this. Um, on a later mutilation at the Gomez Ranch, this was actually behind his house, they found the same triangular impressions in the dirt. And it was that time of the year was drought, kind of like what we're going through now, where whatever left those impressions had to be heavy enough to mark the dirt because the dirt was so dry and compacted from from the lack of moisture. And then in the Red River case, it was muddy that time of the year, and whatever aircraft landed, it almost crashed into a fence because um, it looked dry when you look at the pictures. And what happens when the aircraft landed, almost slid into a fence because whoever was driving that, that's up to whoever <laughs> to decide what was driving it. They kind of misinterpreted how soft the ground was. And it had the same dimensions as the early mutilation cases from the Gomez Ranch. And this was at Red River. So it seemed like they were using the same type of aircraft. And also in Lindreth, New Mexico, in the 80s, they found, uh, or my dad found um, evidence where there was turbine wash. Um, just that time of the year, for whatever reason, um, there's moisture underneath old pieces of sagebrush. And you could see whatever came in um, had started up with the turbulence. We were able to measure it, and it was exactly the same distance where the aircraft, whatever aircraft it was, whether it's a helicopter or <laughs> magic ship, came in and it turned up all these old cow patties in pieces of sagebrush, and then you could see where it went back up into the air, and there was no more turbulence. So there's a lot of that type of evidence. How about the gas mask? That's a good one. The gas mask was found on one of the Gomez mutilations, and they also found a high-altitude humidity sensor that they were able to trace back to the Air Force, um, and those were found on the Gomez Ranch as well. And that's where they found the radar shaft. My same shaft, right? Yeah, shaft, yeah, shaft, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was also found out of one of the Gomez mutilations. Yeah, why don't you explain uh, about the radar shaft? That, that that's very interesting. That's pretty rare to find uh, this stuff in in not just spread out uh, and distributed and uh, around like they normally. When they shoot it out the back, it, it sort of flares out and then creates a cloud. You guys found packages of this stuff. Why don't you tell us about that? Was well, that a location of one of the? I believe it was a cow. might have been the horse. I'd have to look at the reports. But the aircraft that was trying to disperse this radar chaff, it malfunctioned because the packages were still wrapped in cardboard. And I was just showing Chris earlier, I still have the wrapping from it. You could see the flight line that the aircraft took, and it went straight to the cow and just simply walked down in a straight line, and we were finding these packages of radar chaff. Ooh, I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this description in our next segment. We have Greg Valdez joining Gene and Chris, and we're trying to put a real reality check 
um, the cattle mutilation phenomenon. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi. This is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Join us in Joshua Tree, California, August 9th through 11th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference. A weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature films, panels, lectures, workshops, and fieldwork with leading experts including Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalas, Graham Hancock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Laura Eisenhower, Jason Martell, David Wilcock, Doc Wallace. David Serrata, and many, many more of the biggest names in UFOlogy. The conference will coincide with the Perseid Meteor Shower, and the Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Enter to win a free ticket at contactinthedesert.com. We look forward to seeing you in Joshua Tree in August for a serious look at mounting evidence that we are not alone. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com or call 760-365-8371. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Greg Valdez giving us elaborate, very informative and informed descriptions of all these events. Very frightening. And you were in the middle of one answer there, and I wanted you to continue that story. And going back to the radar shaft, what we were talking about earlier, um, they tested the frequency of the the radar shaft, and it was tied to Longmont, Colorado. People are under well, the... What do you mean test the frequency? How do you do that? This is like a metallic, uh, kind of like angel hair or something. We call this in Brooklyn metallic schmutz. <laughs> okay, so this is metallic schmutz. My dad, being my dad, that people knew him, he had a lot of contacts, so... Um, they had a contact with the Air Force, and they told them they found this radar chat. A person they want to go on record and say, well, where did you get it? That stuff's classified. You're not supposed to have it. So they did some analysis for him on the side, and they were able to determine which frequency it was designed to block. It was designed to block the Longmont, Colorado radar station, which covers Dulce. Most people assume because Dulce's in New Mexico that the Albuquerque radar station would be the one that would the frequency would be applied to that, but it was actually Longmont. And that made sense because Dulce's so close to Colorado. Um, and that was the radar station they were trying to block. So, Why are they doing this? Just for testing? 
Yeah, just to whatever they were aircraft testing they were doing up there was to cover either their tracks or the mutilations themselves. And get, when you get into the story, the Dulce base, which we'll get to later, that's a whole other can of worms. We're just barely in the beginning of it now with the, the cattle. But um, this is what was the early stuff of Dulce was all, all this military implications. Like I said, the humidity sensor, the gas mask, they were finding evidence of, in some cases, they found syringes, I believe. Not in Dulce, but in other cases. And Chris probably knows more about that than me because that was a more of a nationwide thing. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just a handful of things that, that have been found uh, at mutilation sites. They found a satchel, like a military issue uh, satchel. And I think there was a scalpel and a cow's ear, uh, if I remember correctly. That, that was found, I think, in Welder, Logan County, on the front range about the same time. Uh, of the Dulce, the initial Dulce cases in, in 76, but uh, possibly 75. But this is, like I said, this type of physical evidence is extremely rare. Occasionally, you'll get evidence of, of prop wash. I had a couple of cases in the 70s where it appeared a helicopter had sat down. The downdraft from the rotors had flattened the grass in, a, in an area that was approximately the size of uh, the prop wash of a helicopter. So these these types of you know, hints and of, of evidence, if you will, um, again, are pretty rare. But this is all before, you know, and Greg, you brought the Dulce base up. Uh, this is all before the initial uh, stories started to come out about the Dulce base, partially through the Paul Benowitz saga, which we've talked about on the Paracast a number of times. We've had Greg Bishop on. Of course, he wrote the book Project Beta, which is probably the, the most in-depth look at that case. Phil Schneider has been mentioned, Krista Tilton, others who were involved in the early days of the rumors of the Dulce base. But what did your dad think about that? I know he was pretty skeptical about a lot of these, you know, more fantastic claims. Uh, Anthony Sanchez, for instance, uh, says he has a colonel that claims there's an alien base under there. Uh, where did your dad come down on all that? And how about you? I mean, you're you're law enforcement too. I mean, you you, you know the area pretty well, so. Well, that brings up a good point. We were talking about evidence found at the mutilations. Well, my dad never ruled out that they weren't placing that evidence there to throw off investigators. He was that meticulous. So now getting into the Dulce Bay story, we lived there. We saw everything that happened there. So when Paul Benowitz first came out with this story of a Dulce Bay, they kind of shrugged it. My dad kind of just shrugged it off, but he looked into it, and he did that with everything. Whether it's a weird theory, a solid theory, he nitpicked it and that's what you have to do as a, an investigator so the key to the Paul Benowitz story is he showed up with five black and white photos and four of the five didn't show anything except for one and even the one the photo shows what he says is a crashed delta ship not a crashed UFO not a crashed alien ship just a delta ship well lo and behold my dad and John Gilly, Edmund Gomez, some other investigators went up and they found that crash site. So basically, Paul Benowitz would give my dad information that was about 80% correct. And my dad was kind of amazed where he was getting it from because Paul wasn't from Dulce. We lived there and he would come up with stuff and he was accurate. And to help people figure this out, because there's so much confusion and there's so much junk floating around about Dulce Base, the 80% that was correct is... Everything pretty much Paul Benowitz said it with the exception of aliens. You take the alien part out of it, and Paul was pretty much spot on on his information. 
Of course, we found out later through Greg Bishop and some other resources where he was getting his information, which was the Air Force. But um, he was accurate with a lot of his stuff, with the exception of aliens. So that's what started the whole Dulce base. Of course, people have added to it. Um, for me, it's easy. I've read some of the stuff, Colonel X. I knew that was bogus, about a page into the story, just because I lived in the area. I knew that the story wasn't right. Plus, I know the Paul Benowitz story because I met Paul. Paul wasn't crazy. A lot of people have kind of misrepresented him as being crazy. He was actually a sharp guy. He was a lot like my dad. Where he's also very meticulous in his research also. So um, they put in a lot of hard work and a lot of hours. But that's where the Dulce base started was um, through Paul and the Air Force. But the mutilations, the UFOs, sightings up in Dulce were going on before Paul ever got involved in the stories. Right. Looking at this whole kind of, I don't know, it's almost a, a myth that's grown up about uh, this particular subject of a base at Dulce. Some of my uh, digging has uncovered what could possibly be a rationale to have a facility there. And and because of gas buggy, which we discussed earlier, which did introduce radiation into the area, one theory has it that they went ahead and built an underground facility there to store nuclear waste because there was already elevated levels of radiation in the area and they could hide it easier. So, and, and that the the alien base story placing this facility under Archuleta Mesa was actually a red herring to a facility that was under Mount Archuleta. Uh, have you heard anything along those lines? Yes, and that's actually a, probably a pretty good theory, but it's just something we haven't been able to prove yet, and we're looking into it because we're also looking at the cancer rates are very high in that area. Of course, knowing something and proving something are two different <laughs> things, unfortunately. Right. But... um when people are chasing aliens, they're not focusing on what's right in front of them. And that's a more realistic approach on what was really happening. There was some, there's something up there. Now, people want to assume it's aliens. There's never been proof of alien, any type of aliens at the Dulce base. Or anywhere. Or anywhere. But um, there was a lot of military activity. Um, it came from the military. They actually divulged their own secrets. <laughs> they made the mistake giving that information to Paul. You got to go where the evidence follows, takes you, and it takes you to certain parts of it. And filtering it is the hard part, and that's what the purpose of the book was—to get people back on track and get them looking where they should be looking. Because if there is contamination, people, American people, need to know about it. Well, I've heard uh, that the area surrounding uh, Dulce has some of the highest rates of environmental cancers in the nation, and uh, there's a scientist, both a both a doctor that you and I both know who's working very quietly and sort of uh, behind the scenes, uh, working on a survey of radi- above-ground radiation levels in the area. Um, have, how much work have you done looking into radiation uh, in the environment up there? And, and what's, what, what's a progress report on what this doctor has been doing? Actually, I've done a lot of research into it because that's more of the story, and I know that kind of burst the balloon for a lot of people that want to go find aliens up in Dulce, but that's the reality of what's really a lot of the stuff that's going on. Um, he's still doing research into it. I've been doing research. The hard part with this cancer stuff is if you ask, try to gather statistics, you'll get 20 different answers from 20 different health organizations. And they're going to blame your lifestyle choices, mm-hmm. how much you eat, how much you drink, where you live. So proving, like I said earlier, proving something and knowing something are two different things. And that's been the hardest part. So um, they're needs to be more research done and especially the water tables and um that doctor was looking into some of that stuff and hopefully we'll keep pushing it forward and we're still looking into it also 
When we get into our next segment, I'm going to want to ask a few questions here, not to interrupt Chris because he's doing an interview for the show and the book, but a few questions about the rumored alien connection with all this stuff. Greg Valdez joins us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold. If you listen to the radio, watch TV, or surf the net, you're hearing about gold. Eventually you will ask yourself, is gold right for me? The answer might surprise you. We protect ourselves and our families from many things. Do you have medical insurance? Is your home insured? Do you carry life insurance? How about financial insurance? If you own gold, then the answer is yes. If you don't own gold, the question is, why don't you have financial insurance? We put our faith in things we trust. Do you trust the dollar? Do you trust the economy? Do you trust the government? Gold has always been something you can trust. For thousands of years, people have put their faith in gold. Where will you put your faith? Now is the time to protect yourself and your family. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. And ask for Jim Parker. Let me help you get started today. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic 
toxic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Chris O'Brien is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, at the home of Greg Valdez. And he's written a fascinating new book covering... The life of Gabe Valdez, who investigated the Dulce based stories and cattle mutilations. So, Greg, I want to ask you here when people talk of cattle mutilations, invariably there is that UFO and or alien connection. So, what's the reality check here? Well, I like to see if, if they're connected to aliens. I've never seen proof of it, so I like to see someone proof. And it's fine if they believe in that. There's no, I'm not shooting that down, but. There's just never been evidence of that, especially in the Dulce area. If people have evidence, it would be nice to see it because it's always been tied into government or humans. If you follow that trail, it'll take you down a clearly marked trail from all the stuff I've seen that my dad's ever gathered. Now, that's one of the things here that can be said about probably more than a few UFO sightings. You can trace it to tests of secret aircraft, some sort of government efforts. That's not unusual, is it? No, and that's part of the Dulce story. The The book, it goes into detail because um, we were actually able to take photographs of these aircraft up in the Dulce area. So in the book, I call it Area 52. <laughs> I just don't have a, a better uh, explanation or name for it, but it seems like Dulce is just an off-site testing facility for a lot of their secret, the military's secret projects. That's what the evidence points to. And the, we were, Like I said, we were able to take several photographs, different photographs of this military technology. It's not alien. It's just high-tech reconnaissance aircraft that the military wants to keep classified. And I know that's boring for people, but that's what it is. <laughs> Guys, can we then see if there are certain offenders out there who feel it's much better for their agendas to push the alien connection with all this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me because if you look at the timeline of you talk about Roswell... Um, you guys were talking about Aztec a little bit earlier. 47 was a key key year where a lot of this stuff starts, where you got Roswell, Project Blue Book, different crashes. But if you, the aliens are kind of sporadic, the stories come in, in and out, but there's not really a good time frame. But if you look at it in the books documented, the technology that's actually been around for a long time, you can see the, the military has been involved with a lot of the secret uh, aircraft technology since around the same time period. And then it all starts, the puzzle starts to come together if you know where to look and what to look for. Um, if you're looking for aliens, you're not going to find too much stuff out there. But if you look for specific propulsion systems like laser propulsion systems, microwave propulsion systems, it'll get you back in line on where to, a lot of these potential UFO sightings probably are. And it all fits with the time frame of 47, 50. They were working on, the government was working on these type of we call them UFOs just because they don't look like conventional aircraft, but that technology has been around for a while. And there are some smart scientists that 
work out there, and it's not out of the question for them to develop some of these aircraft. In Dulce, well, we were able to take photographs of this high-tech aircraft, and this was back in the 80s. It was invisible and silent. Not It has nothing to do with UFOs or aliens. Yeah, describe describe some of the shots. I know your dad was convinced uh, at some one point in, towards the end of the 70s that lighter-than-air craft were being used. Why don't you describe what you th- remember, as you said, it was invisible, but you have photographs. I, I'm, I'm a little confused on that. Plus, also, uh, microwave and laser propulsion. I'm, I'm a little confused about those those terms. But why don't you describe some of the craft that were seen by people around there, including your dad and yourself? Well, when they first started seeing these lights, they were seeing the common orange light, which resembled what most people would call a UFO. That's no big deal. So they'd see it, it disappeared, fly in unconventional ways, up, down, sideways, from one place to another. So that's what kind of was associated with Dulce. That's why a lot of these people came to Dulce. Um, as time went on, though, my dad was able to figure out, and this was up at Mount Archuleta where the Dulce base was supposed to be, and this came from Paul Benowitz. They figured out that if you the camera lens would pick up this aircraft where you, the naked eye wouldn't see, and that was part of the camouflage system. Of course, now if you do research on it, the government has, has it. It's currently available. It's somewhat classified. Well, like cloaking? Yeah. Cloaking device? It's called optical camouflage. They use LED lights to bend light waves. Mm-hmm. And that's why the camera picks it up and your eye doesn't pick it up. So we were, my dad stumbled onto it. They were just taking pictures of the random pictures of the area. And when they would go develop the film, no digital cameras back then. This was an old-fashioned film. These aircraft would pop up in the, in uh-huh. the photographs. And um, other researchers have also found that they don't, I don't know if they necessarily know what they found, but they figured that out. And Paul Benowitz helped get this story going by, not story, but he tipped my dad to take pictures. And a lot of times it would come out and sure enough, they would come out. Um, to add to that story, when one of the photographs that was taken up by Mount Archuleta, where the Dulce base is supposed to be, Los Alamos Labs, CIA, a guy with the CIA NSA connection became involved and kindly took that photo and had it enlarged. And when he enlarged it, of course, we had Los Alamos Labs enlarge it. You can see the graphic detail. It's not an alien craft, but it's a pretty high-tech American aircraft. There's where a lot of the secrecy comes in and the kind of the hot potato of, well, how much do you want to <laughs> declassify before you get in trouble? And um, it was pretty apparent. And this was back in the mid-'80s. They've had this technology. So you can imagine what they have now. And that's been the big catching point for a lot of the alien people is they say, well, we don't know about this technology, so it has to come from aliens. And that's not necessarily always the case because there's a lot of technology we don't know about just because it's classified. And now if you go back and research historical stuff, it's very boring, I'll tell you, because I've done a ton of it. It dates back to the 40s, even the 35, 1935 and some of the early years. So that's kind of been the big catching point for a lot of the alien community is what's weird. We don't know about it. So therefore it has to come from aliens. (laughs) It must be aliens. (laughs) In in my research, my dad's research, that's not the case. Um, We're able to tie it to humans and scientists and government projects is what it comes down to. Well, you bring up an interesting point that your dad was digging around into, and and, and Paul Benowitz were digging around into areas that um, were possibly highly classified and that attracted the attention, I think, of some uh, individuals within the government intelligence community. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the things that were found in houses, uh, some of the odd circumstances that happened at the height of some of this research work? 
Well, Greg Bishop has documented in his book, Project Beta, how the NSA and CIA was involved in the massive uh, surveillance program on Paul Benowitz. But they were also monitoring my dad and um, the Gomez family because we were able to find the listening. My dad found a listening device in our house. The Gomez family found two of them in their house. They were keeping close tabs. And keep in mind, Dulce, my dad was a police officer up there. We never locked the doors. We used to leave the keys in the in the truck. So it's not. it wouldn't have been that hard to actually break in. We drive to out of town and people, locks only keep out honest people. Yeah, but Manuel <laughs> Gomez was a different story, um, especially after the mutilations. Um, they were cautious, and some professionals went in to place those devices. It wasn't some rinky dink job. Of course, these were the days of the rotary phones. You couldn't just hack into it with a computer like you can now with the digital stuff. But um, it was harder then because you physically had to tap the actual wire pointing to your individual connection. We'll have more yes. to come. Yes, indeed. Greg Valdez joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bi- products from municipal water. 
Milwaukee water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Raising your own chickens for food is great, but how will you get them ready for the dinner table? Do it the fast and easy way with a power plucker from powerplucker.com. The power plucker is a simple attachment that works with a power drill and removes feathers in a flash. Whether you're a homesteader or a bird hunter, you'll save time and money, and we guarantee you'll love it. Order right now at powerplucker.com and receive free shipping. Powerplucker.com, the only drill-powered poultry plucker. When you need it the most, will your generator, power equipment, or vehicle be ready? Gas and diesel fuels go bad quickly when stored, and more than half of generator failures during disasters occur as a result of expired fuel. PRI fuel stabilizers keep your fuel fresh for when you need it most. Nuclear power stations, emergency service providers, and ships at sea rely on PRI fuel stabilizers. And you can too. Call 888-776-9373 or visit PRIproducts.com to find the dealer nearest you. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So the impression I get, Greg Valdez, on the Paracast with Gene and Chris, is that if we go back in time, before we had all the digital technology, it was a lot harder to do all this stuff, spying, tapping phones, and all that. <laughs> yes, you're 100% correct, because they actually have to physically place the listening devices on the phones. Like Now you can do it in a computer from Washington or a 1,000 miles away, and they just hack into the line. But back then, they actually had to place the, the bugs on the phones themselves. And like I said, my dad found one at our house, and the Gomez family found a couple at their house. Give us a time, time frame on that, and, and what was your dad's thinking about that? I mean, what... What did he do once he found these devices? Well, it was around the early 80s, and it's when Paul Benowitz became involved with Richard Doty mm-hmm. and um, Ernest Edwards. Because when my dad later, later came to the conclusion, is, and we later figured out just going through like Greg Bishop's work, that Doty and Edwards actually leaked out too much information. So they were actually monitoring Doty and Edwards, and that's why they were tapping my dad's phone. Emmanuel Gomez is they were trying to do damage control to see how far the <laughs> their information had leaked out. And that sounds like a pretty good assessment from the stuff my dad had covered. Homer Simpson moments, I guess, huh? <laughs> when you think about it, the whole Dulce story was started by the Air Force. They gave up a lot of their classified stuff because a lot of this stuff would still be secret if if they wouldn't have provided it to Paul Benowitz. And going back to surveillance on we were at Paul's house one night because we used to come down quite a bit. And my dad would visit with them. We stayed there for hours. We went out to eat at a restaurant, and he go, and he told us he goes that Jeep is following us. I still remember the color of the Jeep, the guy driving it. Sure enough, he followed the. They followed us to go eat dinner, and then we went back to Paul's house, and they followed us back to the house. So, my dad knew in, enough about being in law enforcement. He knew that it wasn't a game anymore because they found the, the listening devices. We had people following us around. So, but once again, that, that's nothing to do with aliens. That just shows you that people are interested in what he was finding. 
it wasn't a game. It didn't. He found out pretty quick. It wasn't. They weren't messing around. I have a question, Greg. What about Freedom of Information Act? Did you or your dad ever send these requests to see what the government had on file about you two? No, uh, my dad messed with it a little bit, but um, this is a kind of a tip for people to file Freedom of Information Act request because they're not going to give you stuff they want classified. So if you send a, a Freedom of Information Act request for about UFOs, you're not going to get anything. I mentioned earlier, do Freedom of Information Act requests for propulsion, laser propulsion systems. Some of this stuff that you think might not be, it's boring, but that's the key to it. Look into propulsion systems. You got to look, think like an investigator. Don't look at the obvious. Ask for things that are probably declassified now. Of course, back in 79, 85, they were classified still. But now you'd probably have a lot easier time getting to hold a lot of these documents. And there's a ton of it out there. You can get a lot of it just off the Internet from the DOE websites, their archives. But if you do Freedom of Information Act request, you just got to know how to request the information. It's knowing what you're looking for. So hopefully the book will kind of get you in the area of what to look for (laughs) and what to ask for. So, um, but Because that opens the door like Project Aquarius. They had people spinning their their wheels looking for documents and if it's really classified you're not going to get it anyway even though they're supposed to give it to you right. um but if you you have to go through other angles and, and kind of go through the back doors what you have to do to get good information you know you mentioned before that uh, your dad dovetailed some of his efforts with other law enforcement groups what did he learn from the uh, royal canadian mounted police because they they did quite a bit of work up there in the 70s and 80s and they did a lot of forensic testing um, what sort of impression did he have of their effort, and what were they finding? They were basically finding a lot of the same stuff that he was finding in Dulce. Their main focus was trying to get trends or patterns figured out so they could try to catch them in the act, right. <laughs> which is easier said than done. But um, a lot of the stuff mirrored what was happening in the United States. Um, it just happened to be in Canada. So they were sharing a lot of stuff. I haven't looked at it for a while. I'd have to dig it up and, and look at it, so I don't remember all of it off the top of my memory, but I'd have to dig it up. But they were finding a lot of the similar stuff. He also worked with Sheriff Tex Graves up in Logan County, Colorado, and they were sharing notes, um, which you don't see that this day in law enforcement. Law enforcement agencies are supposed to work together, but they they do not like they used to in the 70s and 80s. And it's unfortunate because that's how you (laughs) share a lot of good information is by working with these people throughout the country because this Headache is spread out so far that it's hard to coordinate stuff. Someone in Texas might have a vital piece of evidence, but if you never connect to them, it's hard to put the pieces together. Yeah, that's why the efforts of Project Stigma, which was Tom Adams' uh, effort to be a clearinghouse for mutilation-related information, which he, as soon as he found out a case would happen in a particular state, a county in a state, he would immediately contact the sheriff, send him... uh, information that he had and and put him in in touch with other sheriffs and create a network of law enforcement uh, officials who could compare notes with each other. And uh, I I have always thought that Dulce was kind of almost a standalone situation because of the the Hickory Apache Reservation there. And uh, I've always felt that there was something key about the, the fact that there was a res there and some of the cases in South Dakota as well on the Pine Ridge uh, Indian Reservation. And uh, you, normally you didn't see 
these cases on Indian reservations except for these two. And uh, I've always felt that there's some clue there for us. And one thing that uh, some of the naysayers about the mutilation phenomena in particular have said, Greg, is that only small kind of family ranchers reported mutilation cases, that none of the big, huge cattle operations uh, in Texas, uh, some of the feedlots in Kansas, Nebraska, ever reported these cases. Um, What do you think of that? Uh, Do you think it's possibly because of the location that these cases, uh, these farmers are being, ranchers are being uh, victimized. Uh, what, what's your thinking? What was your dad's thinking? Well, going back earlier, like I mentioned, they were trying to find patterns. It looked like the Gomez herd was targeted for a genetic reasons. That herd had been in the area for around 100 years because the Gomez family founded the town of Dulce. They were there before the tribe was there. Um, they would bring in a 1,000 head of Mexican steers to the Dulce area for summer grazing every year. They never mutilated any of those cattle. So the trend they noticed in the Dulce areas, Raleigh Tafoya is a good example. His cattle have been around for several generations. And you go back into the, the testing of like radiation type issues. It looked like they were targeting herds that were from the area for a specific reason. Um, it doesn't, Let's assume they're doing radiation testing. It doesn't do any good if you're testing a cow from Texas. It's in the Dulce area for two months out of the year, and then they ship it off to slaughter or back to a winter range. You know, so um, it always seemed the cows that they would find were indigenous to that area. And that's the pattern that they they seem to notice and develop. And uh, going back to you mentioned the Indian reservations, that might be a key reason why Dulce had such a, uh, was such a hot spot because um, some of the research I did for the book. It, looked like, it looks like a lot of the Indian reservations were targeted because if you look at Yucca Flats, uh, Dulce is a good example, a lot of military testing was traditionally done near Indian reservations. China Lakes, similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole other side issue I don't really want to get into now because that's another conversation. But Because it's boring. It's not very fun research. But if you go down that road, it'll open your eyes to a lot of different things for People kind of tend to get focused on one specific thing and right. ignore the little stuff, but the little stuff is what gives you the, the big picture, and you'll be able to put the puzzle together a lot easier if you look at all the little things. <laughs> a little bit later in the show, we're going to have a few questions from our listeners of Greg Valdez as we focus on the whys and wherefores of cattle mutilations. And one question I'm going to have, which Greg can answer in our next segment, is in all, how often does this happen? And is this phenomenon strictly concentrated in the U.S.? Is it worldwide? Is it just specific countries? Interesting to find out. We have Greg Valdez joining us. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Attention citizens of Northern Arizona, are you prepared? If not, now's your chance to get prepared at the Arizona Survivalist Prepper Expo. August 24th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Tim's Toyota Center in Prescott Valley. Visit with Arizona-based and national suppliers of such items as freeze-dried foods, solar ovens, solar equipment, tactical gear, camping gear, water filtration supplies, and much more. Do you need a bug-out bag? Do you need to stock up on freeze-dried food? Are you curious what a solar oven is? Take a tour of the ultimate bunker, a portable above or below ground survival shelter. Visit with Doomsday Prepper stars from around Arizona, such as Tim Ralston of Gear Up and Brian Moffat of Extreme Defense USA. Informative speakers will be providing valuable insight every hour on such topics as long-term food storage and emergency first aid skills. Bring your family, bring your friends, bring your neighbors. We won't rest until every citizen in Arizona is prepared. Visit our website, ArizonaSurvivalistShows.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we continue as we explore Greg Valdez and his new book, 
covering what's going on at Dulce and the work of his father, Gabe Valdez. But here's a question I posed at the end of our last segment, and that is, how frequent are these things occurring, number one? Number two, worldwide, U.S., or just a few countries phenomenon? I know they had a couple in Missouri within the last week or two because I saw some news reports. They've also had some dolphin mutilations in the Gulf Coast uh, fairly recently. Um, They did have some in South America. There was a hotspot there for a while. So it's a worldwide thing. It's not just limited to the United States. So um, there's been reports that I've heard of pretty much worldwide, a lot in South America from what I know. Everywhere but India where cows are sacred. (laughs) <laughs> they don't touch them over there, I guess. <laughs> they have McDonald's in India. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I'll go now. Yeah. They have McDonald's. <laughs> of course, they don't serve beef, which is kind of an oxymoron. But uh, uh, in 2002, Gene, we saw a huge uh, wave of, of cases, hundreds of cases uh, over the ensuing couple of years, 2002 through 2004 in Argentina, parts of Brazil. Uh, we've had Philip Hoyle on the program from the animal um, pathology field unit in England. Uh, they've had numerous sheep mutilations along the Welsh border uh, in around uh, Shrewsbury, uh, that area in mid, Midlands, England, Midwest England. Uh, there, there have been cases, uh, livestock death cases reported in Puerto Rico, the Canary Islands. Um, we've had cases in Africa. Uh, there have been a, a number of cases uh, all the way back to the turn of the 19th century. Um, There were sheep mutilations in Australia. They've had quite a number of cases over the years uh, down down under. So this is a worldwide phenomenon, which some of the naysayers in in terms of the military theory uh, say, well, what, is the U.S. government flying around the world doing all this? Well, you know, Uh, that's the question I was going to ask you. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's got to be some sort of multinational thing. I think there's some sort of World Health Organization type organization that's probably behind this and i i just find it interesting that that this sampling team seems to be um as greg has pointed out uh, there's some sort of genetic component to it but there's also some sort of actual physical location component um it's not always which particular cow it's where that particular cow is located in the environment so i think it's a very complicated picture i think that there is a an effort globally that is monitoring um, livestock. And uh, obviously you would think that the U.S. would be very, very involved at the very top of this, probably coordinating it. But this is this is a, a real sticking point for any sort of U.S. government sort of scenario and theory. If it's the government, then we must be flying around with impunity around the world doing this uh, without ever getting caught, with no choppers breaking down, with no teams getting spotted. Uh, these guys are real slick. And, uh, you know, there's just no getting around that fact. And, and the more that I dig into this subject uh, for my new book and reading Greg's book and, and uh, revisiting some of the cases, it, it's just mind-boggling that these people have been able to get away with this for so long. And looking at some of these pictures that Greg has, I, I'm, there's no way that predators could microwave a whole side of, side of an animal uh, so that the, the meat under the hide is literally cooked. And that, and that the one case is the one that Jerry Valerio, the uh, brand inspector, uh, got so sick he ended up having to retire. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, that's correct. Um, the rancher that had the mutilated cow covered it with the tarp. So when Jerry went to look at the animal, he lifted the tarp and inhaled whatever chemicals or toxins were in the animal. 
he almost died from it. He got very sick. So he wasn't good. So to give you an idea, when my dad started working for NIDS, they would wear full contamination suits when they would go to these mutilation sites. Of course, when he was with state police, he just wore his uniform or his coveralls. But he was kind of a germaphobe to begin with. My dad was. He was always cautious. And he was always cautious around these mutilations. But if NIDS was putting on the full hazmat suits, that kind of gives an indication of what you're messing with or what was in the cattle or what they were finding because um, Kenneth Rommel came out with his report that kind of did more damage in, than anything back in the 70s, 80s, where he said the predators were involved that had nothing to do with, you know, all these veterinaries that he, veterinarians that he claimed um, supported his work. But NIDS came in with a whole different angle on the they took it pretty serious. So if they're taking it serious and these veterinarians were starting to sign off on these things and actually putting their name on documents saying it had chemicals or whatever the case, that kind of shows you the severity of what they're dealing with. Because the early 70s, a lot of these veterinarians wouldn't even touch the mutation. They want nothing to do with it because they were worried about their career, their reputation. Um, they just wouldn't get involved. So they had a hard time even getting um, help. My dad did in Tex Graves up in Colorado because the veterinarians wouldn't even touch them, which um, that kind of changed with NIDS where they were actually writing reports, which was good. Of course, not everything was disclosed or through NIDS and all the findings weren't disclosed, but at least they were doing quality uh, work and research on it. But like I said earlier, if they're putting on bunny suits, that kind of gives you an indication of what they're doing with <laughs> Uh, do you know approximately how many cases your dad investigated for NIDS? Uh, I know he did some around the Royal Hondo, north, you know, north of Taos, uh, the Red River area. About how many cases were was he sent out on? And did he only exclusively operate in the Four Corners area, or did they fly him other places? I'd have to go look at his files specifically. I know he has at least 20, is a rough guess, from New Mexico. Um, he never did anything outside of New Mexico. Maybe Colorado, he might have done some stuff across the border, but um, he wasn't involved in any of the Utah stuff that NIDS was involved in. They usually send their own guys up there, or they had their own field investigators. So he was kind of the, the New Mexico connection, because he knew everyone in New Mexico. Right. And he, he was here, so it made more sense. I think they had another investigator that handled other parts of the, the country. I'm trying to understand a little bit about this here. Okay, so it's being done by governments. There may be some hazardous materials or waste involved. So the long and short of it is, why are they doing it? Well, a lot of the early stuff tend to look like radiation. A lot of it tend to look like biogerm warfare testing also, which I didn't get to earlier. <laughs> Let's start with that now. Okay, biogerm warfare. Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty nasty stuff. And part of the Geneva Convention that bans the all these countries from using germ warfare um, what exempts them from that ban is if they create non-lethal weapons. And that kind of opens the political door where they they don't have to worry about so much oversight on their research. So then after seeing that, now you start looking the pe- at the people involved in NIDS and some of this other research. They're all in the non-lethal research field. And that kind of opens up the doors. And they were finding traces of potential anthrax uh, testing in some of the early cows, um, one of the cows on the southern end of the reservation of Dulce, they found the camel, uh, an animal that survived the mutilation. The ear was cut off, but the animal didn't die. You know, I like to look at what Dr. McCoy said. Where's the logic in that in one of the 
Star Trek episodes. Maybe he was trying to channel Mr. Spock. And that is, okay, if you're going to do testing on cattle, possibly to see the effects of germ warfare, why would you do it at random around the world? Wouldn't you basically set up your own ranch and do it all privately rather than drive people totally nuts, which is the impact of what they're doing now? Yeah, that's a common question that comes up. First, there's a lot of things you're dealing with. You have liability issues. If you're the one that created the contamination, you're not going to go out and admit that you're the one researching contamination. If you're the one that implemented it or put it into the community, that's one of the issues you're dealing with. Um, it's also control. It's a control Control thing? for ranching communities that tend to be more uh, conservative, uh, militia, patriot-minded. You know, the Well County, for instance, probably has the highest uh, per capita incidence of militia uh, members up there. And uh, and also, if you can introduce things like chronic wasting disease in the herds of deer and elk uh, in areas where there's lots of uh, hunters who happen to be militia types. I mean, societal control mechanisms uh, can be very uh, subtle. In, and the cattle phenomenon, I, I think, is, is a multiple agenda program. You have lots of things dovetailing together. The most common question I get is, well, how come they leave the cows there? Well, looking at a law enforcement officer here, I can tell you right now, if you take the cow, it's grand theft. If you leave it there, it's plausible deniability, and everybody scratches their head. He drags it off to a bone pile out of sight, out of mind. Most of these cases aren't reported. I think we're seeing sort of almost a, a form of domestic terrorism going on here. We're terrorizing ranching ranchers, possibly trying to drive small ranchers out of business. So the big agribusiness, the biggest uh, moneymaker in agriculture is beef, by the way. So if you drive out the little guys, it uh, just makes more room for the big guys. And it raises prices as a result. We'll get into more of this in a moment. Greg Valdez joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Thomas Jefferson once said, When the people fear their government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. Our God-given right to life and liberty and the right to determine what is best for our lives and our family's health are in jeopardy. If we the people do not diligently assert these rights, they may be taken away and lost forever. Utopia Silver is known for fighting for health freedom, and we will not meekly allow ourselves to be led as lambs to the slaughter, sitting passively by 
and accepting the chains of slavery that are being placed on America is not an option. Please stand with Utopia Silver in this fight. Utopia Silver carries some of the most effective colloidal silver products on the market and numerous other high-quality health supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A, utopiasilver.com. Or call us today at 1-888-213-4338. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, with Gene and Chris, we're back at the Paracast with Greg Valdez. Fascinating session covering the legends of Dulce and also the mysterious cattle mutilations around the world. And we have a few questions from our audience posted at forum.theparacast.com in a place we call the question bank. And when we have enough warning about a future guest, we put in forum topic or thread there. So Chris is mulling through some of those questions now, and we'll ask a few. Chris? Well, the, the first question here that, that just popped up is at the bottom of the question bank thread here. It's from our longtime uh, listener and poster, Blowfish. And he lists out three questions. The first one is, did you, Greg, or your father ever have any strange awareness re- regards, uh, in regards to unusual sounds at your home? such as power fluctuations, smashing objects, etc. And did you both have any severe headaches after ever visiting any of these locations? In other words, I think he, he wants to know, is there other external indications of, of something weird going on? To answer that question, uh, we never had any of the smashing objects, fluctuations, but Paul Benowitz did. He always talked about that. Of course, we know the Air, the Air Force was kind of putting the full court press on him, so to speak as far as harassing him, so a lot of that probably came from the Air Force. Severe headaches, some of the investigators did have severe headaches after uh, one or two of the mutilations. They explained it similar to radiation sickness, and I think it's in one of the reports that showed Chris earlier, one of the police reports, Um, but that's the only thing they've really experienced up in Dulce. Um, The Dulce story is weird, the whole thing, (laughs) but part of that is um, there seemed to be a lot of like mind control testing, on part of the government, which is a whole other story. So some of the tribal members up there reported a little bit of it, but there hasn't been a, a ton of information on it. It's just kind of scratching the surface where it's one of those things that there was a few reports of it, but nothing was verified or substantiated. But you were your dad, other than finding listening devices in your home. No. You didn't have any strange kind of poltergeist-type things happen or any any sort of precognitive dreams or any anything that could be considered sort of paranormal then? No, we didn't. Yeah. No one in our family. Um, a, a question I'm sure you've gotten and I get constantly is, did your dad ever tell you of any reports of human mutilations that were done in the way of cattle? I've heard rumors of uh, a report in 94, I think, or 95 down in Silver City, uh, New Mexico. Um, also reports from the Santa Clara Indian Reservation in Arizona fairly recently, about four or five years ago. Uh, did he ever speak of uh, any human cases? He mentioned a couple of ones that he heard, it, similar to what you explained. He heard the stories, but he never personally investigated them. So my dad was always, he's an investigator. If he didn't investigate some, he's not going to pipe up and say, this is my opinion and this is what happened. He stuck to what he knew. 
And he knew he was aware of some of those stories, but he never did actually investigate any. They didn't have any in Dulce or Rio Reba or wherever the he actually investigated some of these other cases. So um, he didn't get into that depth, but he was aware of it from just stories. I always get those that question. Um, of course, Don Ecker, who has a radio show called uh, Dark Matters, looked into this in the 80s and did find some evidence from uh, the East Coast, from New York, that some cases had occurred there. Uh, again, these are probably some of the most covered up of all law enforcement investigations because they're so horrific and I'm sure they don't want to scare people. Uh, another question from Blowfish is, did you ever see any black triangular craft or encounter any incident in regards to vehicle anomalies while driving near so-called secret locations or mutilation sites or whatever? Uh, yes and no. I think we talked about this earlier. Yeah. Uh, never saw it, but we took pictures of it, and it's a black triangle anomaly or whatever the case. Um, the book goes into more detail and explains what it probably is. But um, other people in Dulce have also taken photos of this. They didn't know they were taking photos. They just happened to stumble upon it. That's why I recommend people, if they're in a hot UFO hotspot where they're seeing a lot of these sightings, just take random pictures. You might be surprised what right. comes up on the film. Yeah, or infrared, too. A lot of stuff comes out on infrared that you normally don't see. Uh, here's, here's an interesting uh, question here. Uh, you showed me some very graphic photographs of... A very strange uh, cow embryo uh, or stillborn calf. It was almost full term uh, by the looks of the picture. What's the full story? This comes from one of our new, well, actually, what's the name? Is it Cosmonaut? Cosmonaut, yeah. He's actually been a member for quite a while, but he's only posted six times. So you brought out one of our lurkers here. What is the full story about the strange embryo found in the body of a mutilated cow in the Dulce area? That is a very intriguing case. Why don't you give us some background on that? My dad got a phone call that they found what appeared to be a half-human, half-cow calf. It wasn't an embryo. It was almost a full-blown um, animal. So my dad went up to Brazos, New Mexico, and that was the area he's located. And I believe I have to look it up. I haven't looked at the information for a while, but I believe it came out of a mutilated cow on a mutilated site, on a mute site. So when they took this calf out, it had a strange-looking head. The head was larger, and it it was round. It's round. It's not the, the normal cow head. NIDS did a lot of uh, testing on it. And they just concluded it was a stillborn calf, but it's up to you to decide if what NIDS reported was accurate or not. But um, all the stuff that, that I saw, it was a stillborn cow. They didn't find anything out of the ordinary, but that's not my expertise. It was definitely strange. The photos will be on the website when I get the website up and running. You can decide for yourself. Some people claim it looks like an alien. Some people say it's a dead cow. So that's one of those that it's you flip a coin, it's open to interpretation. <laughs> but there was never anything, as far as evidence, there was never anything solid that was found to make a conclusion either way of what it was, other than a stillborn calf. Now, I, I seem to recall, I'm not sure if it was from New Mexico, but I seem to recall a case where uh, a cow was actually in the process of giving birth to a calf when it was uh, when it died and was mutilated, and the calf half out of the mother, its uh, jawbone uh, lip had been cut off. Uh, are you familiar with that case? I've heard the story, but I don't know the details of, yeah. about it to really comment on it. It's, I've heard the story before. Yeah, that's that's a bizarre one. Um, we have uh, some other questions. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, general question to all. If you could have one yes-no question answered truthfully, 
what would that question be? <laughs> That's hard to say. You know, don't ask me that question. You can ask Greg that question. He's a nice guy. But don't ask me that question. Chris, I guess, would answer it. <laughs> One yes/no question. Um, I, you know, that's that's tough. Uh, that's really putting me on the spot. Um, I don't know. It would have to be something, uh, something to do with uh, the growing fascism in this country uh, and who's actually in charge and and what the agenda is. It would have to be something along those lines more of a social control question as opposed to a paranormal question. Now, let me ask you, Chris, since we're going to raise that issue. By growing fascism, you mean growing corporate control, the traditional definition of fascism, folks. It's not Nazism. No, it is the corporations taking control of everything. Right. And it's a real concern to me that we're, we're slowly seeing the erosion of our liberties, that our current president is continuing and intensifying the agenda of his predecessor. There's some very disturbing things. So it would be a political question that I I would have a, a, that I would ask and want a yes or no answer to. Um, But everything, you know, to our questioner, things aren't black and white. It's not yes and no. It's uh, everything is shades of gray and it would, it would be a yes, but, or a no, but answer. I'm sure. No, regardless of the question, uh, you could ask something like, "Is there an afterlife? Do we do we uh, do we go somewhere after we die?" I mean, it could be some sort of religious question as well. Um, but again, I don't know. I think that's kind of an unfair. <laughs> it's putting me on the spot. You know, that's good. I enjoy this. I enjoy watching others be put on the spot. I don't let people put me on the spot for a simple reason, and that is, I have the control panel. So if the question is asked and I don't want to answer. My voice disappears, and there is music, and that's how it goes. I don't want to get into more of that. We have Greg Valdez joining us. The subject, Dulce, Strange Mysteries, Cattle Mutilations, and so much more with Gene and with Chris. You're in The Paradise. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and thwarting phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, And the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. There are those curious about bitcoins and those using and making money with bitcoins. What are bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, winding down the last three segments, any more questions from the question bank before we proceed? Yeah, there's uh, a number of them. And we only had a couple of days, really, to get the question bank up. And we actually generated uh, a number of questions. This will be a very popular show. It's a real timely subject. Your book is coming out at a really good time, I think, um, and I do urge everyone to go to uh, Greg's uh, site and order yourself a copy. Right now, it's available electronically. This one comes from Steve C., this question. First of all, he says, Chris, this show will go down as one of the best in the history of the Paracast, just a feeling I have, and I agree. This is a real fun one for me. Um, please ask Greg if he remembers his dad investigating any other paranormal anomalies besides UFOs and cattle mutilations in the Dulce or surrounding areas? And also, did he personally see or hear 
about any strange animal orbs or hauntings? It's a good question. Well, the Indian culture, religion, the stories about skinwalkers are prevalent. I've never seen them personally, but that's just part of growing up on an Indian reservation. So locals will talk about that all the time. What's interesting in your question, which I like a lot, is the question about the orb. Because in the book, I have pictures of what might be one of these orbs. Of course, it's not conclusive. We're never able to determine what it is. But um, these orb-type lights that they were seen around the Skinwalker Ranch, um, they were also seen around Dulce. One of the tribal game and fish officers saw one hovering over some cattle and horses back in the 70s. And it looks like one of them malfunctioned and may or may not have been able to find one of these orbs. Like I said, the the jury's still out because there's not enough testing has been concluded on it. But the uh, pictures of it are in the book, and it'll be on the website, so you can decide for yourself if it's an orb or just a crystal ball, because that's could, it could also be that, too. Well, one thing, when I was up at the uh, Norio Hayakawa's first Dulce invest, you know, investigators conference, for lack of a better term, which um, I invited myself to, I might add, I was kind of... Surprised he didn't ask me up there, so I had to crash the party. One of the things that I was told up there, quite much to my surprise, this was by a kid that was at the desk of the of the uh, the Best Western there. And as everybody else was uh, breaking for lunch, I was packing up some gear, and he happened to, as an aside, say, "Anybody t- tell you about the the little the little guys, the little hairy dwarves?" I said, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Yeah, that's that's the thing that m- people see the most of around here." And there's even footage that was taken at the, at the old casino when, before they moved it of these little guys jumping around on hoods of cars, jumping from car to car, and that they had gotten this footage of this, which I, I really have made quite an effort to track down. And, and I do believe it that it exists. It's just difficult to come up with the right person to, to go to for it. Um, have you or your dad heard anything about small hairy dwarves that are seen routinely, even in town there around Dulce? That's actually one of the common stories around Dulce. Like I said, it's, a lot of it's based on their Indian religion. They're not caves, but they're little holes in the sides of the hills, rocks. That's one of part of their traditional Indian religion is these dwarves or whatever lived in these rock outcroppings. So you have to interview the person that saw them to determine right. what they really saw. But that's a pretty common um, belief of a lot of the tribal members in Dulce. So something like that wouldn't be reported to the state police and your dad wouldn't go out on a hairy dwarf report unless maybe they were trying to bugger one of the sheep or something, I, I would imagine. Uh, that's not something he routinely was having to investigate then. No, unless the dwarf was beating up his wife or something, then maybe he'd be out, be out there. But um, he, he's, we've heard stories about that, but it's nothing he really investigated. Right. It was just more of a What about Bigfoot? I know uh, Hoyt Velarde, who was uh, the head of DPS up there for many years, uh, claims that he went out on over 100 cases over the years, uh, including uh, a pretty interesting sighting he had at uh, real close quarters with a, a Bigfoot that went over his barbed wire fence like it was uh, just a slight step over it. We've never seen any Bigfoot sightings up in Dulce. I know Hoyt's kind of the expert on that field. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago when I was up in Dulce for the book signing. And uh, we talked about it a little bit. But I grew up there till I was in pretty much finished high school, sophomore in high school. And I used to do a lot of hunting when I was younger. And I know that Hoyt's ranch is, I've been through his ranch several times, but I've never seen anything. And my dad never came across anything. They used to patrol for, they call it drip running. People used to steal unrefined gas from the oil wells and they used to patrol on the, the boonies, for lack of a better term. And my dad never saw anything like that. But Hoyt's the one to talk to <laughs> if you like Bigfoot, because he's supposedly the expert in those we'll about that. Okay, let's see. we got some other questions. This one comes from our uh, our Mr. Dependable Ward, who's been a longtime poster and listener here at forum.theparacast.com. 
He asked a question about uh, Paul Benowitz, which, which we've covered, and I, I don't think uh, he's asking if you ever saw the strange balls of light in Paul's house. I don't think he did. He would have mentioned it. Did you or your father ever see those injection marks on Paul? He said he was receiving from the aliens. Did Bill Moore ever relate to you or Gabe that he was covertly working for the Office of Air Force Special Investigations, AFOSI? As far as the injection marks, um, we never saw any specific injection marks. We saw like blotches on his skin, but we didn't know where it came from. He used to smoke a lot too, so we didn't know if it was his hygiene injection marks, whatever the case is. So he did have, I guess, a rash, sores, whatever the case may be, but um, no, nothing specific that showed injection marks. As far as Bill Moore, no one knew about Bill Moore till after the fact, till he went to Las Vegas and <laughs> announced it to the conference. So at the time period, uh, my dad didn't know who he was working for. He was in contact with them, of course, because they were all in contact with each other, but um, he wasn't aware that Bill was tied with the Air Force at that time yeah. until after the fact. Having learned what Bill Moore was doing, what he was up to, what was his reaction? What was your reaction? It all comes together. That's what the book is for, because that's pretty much a big chunk of the book is just explaining how these different stories. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty now. It makes sense now, but at, during the middle of it, no one was knew who was doing what to whose dog because there were so many different stories going on. Now it all comes together, and that's what the book's for, to put the puzzle together. In the meantime, people have spun off some of these stories, and a lot of it's just it's flat-out junk is what it is, and they've added stuff. So this hopefully gets people back in line where they can see what really happened because it's an important story, and a lot of it is true, but you got to know what is true and what's not before you kind of make up your own mind. And people still have the, the option to make their own decisions after they read the book, depending on what they view as evidence or not view as evidence. They'll get an accurate story of what really happened from someone that was really there, not someone that just kind of hacked together stuff on the Internet or threw in a bunch of comments, which is pretty common with the Dulce stories. There's probably more kind of myth and legend around the whole Dulce scenario than in practically any other subject in ufology, especially, but in, in the paranormal. Some of the stuff that, that's out there. Anthony Sanchez, we had him on the show. Uh, it, it was a bit of a train wreck, I must say. He really believes that this guy is the real deal, but his DD-214 doesn't uh, pass muster, and there's some real problems with it. What did your dad think of all these crazy Dulce stories? And did he think that, that, that there was the possibility that this was pl planned disinformation? Or did he think it was just a lot of want-to-believe types uh, spreading rumors and stories? Well, part of an investigation, you have to look at everything, whether you want to look at it or not, or whether you like it. And that's part of it, is you have to talk to all of them. And he would take it with a grain of salt. He just had a personality he liked talking to people. He knew a lot of it was disinformation. He also had some crazy people come to the house. He, had a, we, he threw a guy out of our living room because um, the guy threatened my dad. And my dad used to fight all the time as a state police officer. That's like the worst thing you could have ever done. And he threatened him, so my dad actually tossed him out the front door. So you don't ignore it. You at least listen to it. Then you can filter it or ignore it later or put it in the back of in the file cabinet because it might come up later. With Greg Valdez and Gene and Chris, you're in Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Join us in Joshua Tree, California, August 9th through 11th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference. A weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature films, panels, lectures, workshops, and fieldwork with leading experts including Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalas, Graham Hancock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Laura Eisenhower, Jason Martell, David Wilcock, Doc Wallace. David Serrata, and many, many more of the biggest names in UFOlogy. The conference will coincide with the Perseid Meteor Shower, and the Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Enter to win a free ticket at contactinthedesert.com. We look forward to seeing you in Joshua Tree in August for a serious look at mounting evidence that we are not alone. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com or call 760-365-8371. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. Two more segments left on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Chris, do you have any more questions left, or have we covered everything? Um, we've covered everything. Um, you know, of course, I, I just I could go on all day with Greg. Uh, this is a real thrill for me to to finally meet him and uh, have a chance to uh, to look at just incredible documentation here. I mean, hundreds of photographs. It, it's just it's chilling to see all this information. And and I, I'll I'll bet you when the site is up and running and everything, that you're gonna it's gonna become an instant hit on. Uh, at least in this particular, you know, the paranormal realm, uh, because there's very few sites that are based on solid investigative documentation. There's very few. And this is uh, a testament to your efforts and keeping, you know, your dad's work alive in, in the public eye. I think it's very important. My questions really would would be more around the NIDS uh, involvement. I know your dad uh, appreciated uh, the effort that Robert Bigelow was making, uh, gathering a team of real dedicated uh, professionals in their various uh, fields. Um, he was a, a kindred spirit in that sense, being a, a field investigator with a lot of credentials. What were some of the things about the NIDS work that he did for four or five years that sticks with you? And, and what, were, what were some of his feelings about the results that they were coming up with, in, in most specifically the Mad Cow uh, connection? My dad was like MUFON when uh, NIDS was founded. They were all excited to have a money source is what it comes down to, to actually start researching this. Like I mentioned earlier, they didn't have any veterinary services early on with the state police. They could care less about dead cows. They just don't have a budget for it. So who's going to do quality research? So NIDS provided that. MUFON jumped on board, and they had the agreement where um, Bigelow would give them reports on what was going on. But um, what it appears to be is just a trap from everything I've seen because they never did give MUFON any of the information they were supposed to give them, talking about NIDS. And they started doing that with my dad. And as my dad got into the more of the mutilations, because they were starting to happen more frequently during that time period, uh, they were stumbling into a lot of mad cow, chronic wasting disease um, evidence from these mutilations, but it wasn't being released to the public which is scary. It's, it's very, very scary. <laughs> um, and you can see why this is a very complex story. People kind of look at it from the basic level and say, well, why doesn't the government do this or just buy cows? That came up earlier. Like you talked about, you if you have something that affects the beef industry, the health industry, all these different industries. It's very compli- complicated and complex. And it, it's a headache. Um, so when the wasting disease, mad cow disease, that's a hot potato, but it came out, um, but very few news media organizations actually Covered, picked it up. Yeah. They just kind of ignored it, which is scary because now if you kind of look in, there's documentaries that you can see about beef and some of the contamination. People need to be aware about it. Well, one thing uh, most people don't know is the Sherman Antitrust Act, I think of 1912, was not done to break up Standard Oil or to break up uh, Ford Motor Company. It was done to break up the Beef Trust. That's why we have any the original antitrust legislation uh, in the United States. The beef lobby is one of the largest, most powerful lobbies, and the one that you hear the least about. Again, I mentioned this prior. Beef is the single largest money maker in agriculture, and if you had a, a 100% deadly lethal 
misfolded protein loose in the food chain, I would think that somebody out there would come up with the resources to monitor the potential spread of this of this scourge uh, through cattle herds. And uh, this is, a, I think, a connection point with the mutilation phenomenon in the 90s, especially and, and beyond, that deserves a lot more attention than it's gotten from people like Linda Howe and some others who are promoting more fantastic explanations for the rationale to mutilate livestock around around the world. What do you think of that man-cow thing? I, you mentioned it's a little frightening, but what did your dad think about it as well? <laughs> this gives you an indication. Chris can see me now. I'm not exactly skinny. I'm 250 pounds. I'm 6'2". My dad is from northern New Mexico. We grew up eating meat, butcher lamb every week almost growing up. To give you any indication of what my dad thought about it, he quit eating meat the last two years of his life. <laughs> he pretty much became a vegetarian. And that's unheard of for a northern New Mexico Spanish man to quit eating any type of meat. So Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he had lost a lot of weight just from eating healthy. He was basically eating healthy. But um, yeah. he saw enough doing what he did that it's enough to get him to go vegetarian. So wow. That's an indication of what he thought about it. This this kind of a bit of an uncomfortable question for me, but when your dad passed, um, I immediately started hearing rumblings that there was something strange about that. I've done a little bit of, of research on this. I think he had relatives that had died at the same age. He always appeared to be fairly healthy to me, uh, especially you're describing he became a vegetarian and lost a lot of weight. I know he worked out. What are some of the, what are you thinking? I mean, in terms of his actual death, I mean, has that ever made you kind of scratch your head or was it something that, that, that you reconciled in with yourself? Yeah, we looked at that too because just by coincidence, the day before he died, he was telling a friend, you know, Los Alamos, Los Alamos Lab developed this weapon that can give you a heart attack by shooting you through the, <laughs> through, from the street and you don't even know what happened. Of course, he died from a heart attack. But um, we have family members that are in the medical field, I do, and we noticed that he had diabetes what it appears to be diabetes we tried to get him to go to the doctor about a year before he died and he locked himself into the truck he just didn't want to go to the doctor wow. just, he's just stubborn that's northern new mexico and all my aunts and uncles died i don't think any of them have lived past 68 and they've all had heart attacks so it's something that's more genetic but yeah. we did look at it and that that's come up several times a lot of people just because of the nature of the stuff he was involved in but um, it doesn't look like there's never been any evidence of foul play that the government was involved or they were yeah. trying to hush him up because he wasn't necessarily sick, but he had symptoms of diabetes that he didn't treat. And we tried to get him to, we knew something might be wrong, that he was not anything um, sinister or anything like that. Just he needed to go to the doctor and he just wouldn't go to the doctor. And that was about a year before. So we kind of figured it was diabetes. Well, another uh, another couple of interesting uh, things that I've heard from Gabe himself involved. He made these very interesting veiled comments that, uh, and the word sensitive he always used, that's too sensitive to talk about. He, he would constantly use that term. And in his last interview uh, with the Open Minds group, Alejandro Rojas, um, he was hinting around like he was about ready to come out and talk about some of these areas that he even told me on occasion that he really d didn't feel comfortable going in and talking about what I assumed was the level of his understanding of the military and government involvement in and around the Dulce area. Uh, do you have any comments on that? I mean, 
was he getting ready to come out and 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 say something more? Because your dad was very, very uh, close to the best. I mean, he really was. I mean, he's, he was a cop. I mean, the cops would buy that way, that way naturally. Well, he had to because, like we, as I mentioned earlier, he had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And we used to tease him because he used to use the word sensitive all the time. He would right. tell people, I know who did it, but I can't tell you. I was like, well, don't even bother telling them that if you're going <laughs> to at least tell them or don't tell. So you think it all boiled down just to the NITS thing? Because he, well, he was saying this to me before he got involved with NITS. Yeah, and that's part of it. But we, as we've been talking, it's a very complex story. You have this classified aircraft because a lot of people have ignored that. We've documented that since the mid-'80s. So you have this spy craft, which is another headache. That's one headache is you're getting into classified military aircraft that hasn't been released, but we know it's there because there's photos of it and <laughs> there's a trail of that. Then you, we just touched on it earlier about the mad cow, the wasting disease. That's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> yeah. So when he was saying it's sensitive, it is sensitive. It affects a lot of the military. It affects Americans in general. You have radiation, potential radiation contamination. There's a lot of evidence that they were testing on the Native Americans up in Dulce. The government was doing a lot of weird tests, which the book kind of gets into. So you have a lot of hot potatoes of unethical and possibly <laughs> criminal yeah, legal stuff that's been going on for 40 years. Tell you what, guys, this could obviously make someone paranoid. You know, they're tapping your phone. They're after you. People are getting sick. What's going on here? Greg Valdez joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Did you know there are 3 million edible food plants on Earth, and none have the nutritional value of the hemp plant? HempUSA.org offers you hemp protein powder. It does not contain chemicals or THC, is non-GMO, and is 100% gluten-free. Hemp protein powder burns fat, builds muscle, contains 53% protein, and feeds the body the nutrients it needs. Call 888-910-4367 and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. The Obama administration is targeting people just like you. The IRS, FBI, and NSA are scrambling to collect every bit of information about you. Find out how to protect yourself from government spies at privacyradio.com. But hurry, they do not want you to know about this. It's the story of an American patriot and his struggle against big government. Don't wait. This video could mysteriously go down at any time. Go to privacyradio.com before it's too late. That's privacyradio.com. 
people are taking charge of their lives with healthier lifestyles. That's why you have to experience the Raleigh Durham Gluten and Allergen Free Wellness Event. One day only, Saturday, August 17th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Durham Convention Center in Durham, North Carolina. Explore the Gluten and Allergen Free Wellness Event where learning is fun and delicious. Discover the world of gluten-free with free samples, cooking demonstrations, and lectures with well-known members of the gluten-free community. Enter the raffle and you could win the grand prize of a catered barbecue from Bone Sucking Sauce valued at $3,000. The Raleigh Durham Gluten and Allergen Free Wellness Event August 17th at the Durham Convention Center. For more, visit R-A-L-E-I-G-H glutenfreeexpo.blogspot.com Raleigh glutenfreeexpo.blogspot.com Presented by Udy's Gluten Free, Glutino, Enjoy Life Foods, and Longevity. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Greg Valdez joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Greg, in light of all this, do you find reason to be a little, you know, paranoid about things going on? No, I've been around this long enough. Um, if they're going to come take my stuff, they're going to come take it. They already have it because my dad used to give it to everyone anyway. He'd give them copies. He worked for NIV. They got access to it. Um, Edward Snowden and Bradley Manning have already ex- showed how if they want to take your information, they're going to take it anyway. So I'm not too worried about that. A lot of people kind of get paranoid on this stuff. And for some of them, there's legitimate reason. But uh, they know what's going on. They don't need me to write a book to to <laughs> highlight it um and the thing is this kind of if they were to come out and say stop doing this stop talking they legitimize everything i'm saying they run more risk by making me be quiet so they'll just kind of leave you alone and monitor you and make sure you're not raising too much trouble <laughs> is what it comes down to um you've heard stories where other people have written books and then they say well the air force came to my house the other day to talk to me about your my book they don't do that I've been in law enforcement because they don't show their cards unless they have to show their cards. And um, so a lot of those stories are junk. They're not going to come bother me until I cross that line. And hopefully I don't ever cross that line because I don't want any visit from people. But it's kind of a game. And it's law enforcement. I've kind of learned the game. Hopefully I have. So I'm not too worried about it. And if they do come bother me, it'll legitimize everything that's in the book and just hammer it home, you know. Wow. 
So as far as the book is concerned, when did you start writing it? Why did you decide to do it? I actually started writing it not too long after my dad died because I ended up with all his files. I'm the only one that knows what they mean because I can look at these pictures and tell you when it was picture was taken. So by default, I got I inherited them, and my brothers didn't really know what they meant. So investigators were calling me asking for files. You know, the guys that my dad had been around for years, and he trusted them, so I give them a picture here, picture there. Well, but every time I explain it, it turned into a five page report on what one picture meant. So I just, I'm basically, I'm lazy. And I said, you know, I might as well just put it into a book form and organize it because I was chronicling the, a lot of the evidence anyway, trying to get it um, organized. So I was trying to put it into report form so it would be easy when investigators would would ask for it. So it ended up turning in, it was, I would end up writing a book anyway. So I said, I might as well just put it in, organize it and get it, get the story straight. And then I, my dad would get this, and I kind of got this too. When people would ask me questions about Lucy, I get frustrated because they were so off the mark on, because their information is based off of false stories. And then you, I would try to explain it to them, and they would get mad at me for trying to help them out. And it's frustrating because <laughs> they're arguing with you over something that's false. So I said, I just decided, you know, it's a tribute to my dad. I wrote it for my dad to get his story documented because he knew a lot. And I'm going to start forgetting it. Unfortunately, he's not here right now. But there's no need in losing all the information he had. And while I remember, I better write it down because all of it, she forgets some of this stuff, too. So I thought it was important to document his story. Well, we're glad that you finally decided to do it. From here, where do you go? Do you continue to research this subject and try to figure out more of what is going on? Yeah, I keep um, tabs. I, I still have contacts with some of the investigators. The book kind of tells you what's going on, so hopefully a lot of the answers are, the questions are answered. So um, there's only so much it can be done from my perspective. Um, I'll help people, like I mentioned in the book. I don't never seen any evidence of aliens, but if you can bring me evidence of a- aliens in Dulce, I'll try to help you verify it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You know, I have knowledge of the area, so I can help people. There's a lot more to this. There's the cancer rates. There's the potential storage of nuclear waste. You have the wasting disease. So it's not like there's the work's done. It just people need to get back on track and look at the right area to dig up more stuff instead of kind of getting spinning their tail and kind of getting sidetracked on some of the the side issues that have popped up in Dulce. So if people need help, I would I wouldn't mind helping them doing more research in that regard to, to get more of the story out, the true story, not the, some, some of the fantasy stuff that's floating around. I think one thing we learn in this crazy field, and I've, got, I've caused everybody to laugh completely hysterically here. One of the things we learn here is that, number one, you can't kill a good story. So even if a story is disproven, it's going to be resurrected by somebody. Somebody's going to decide, you know what, I can write a book about that. Or I can tell a story about that. Or I can go on certain radio shows about that and pretend to be knowledgeable. So they will continue to tell the story. So how do you, as they say, keep them from doing that? That's their business. That's not my job. Like I said, the the whole purpose of the book is to get my dad's story. And if people want to add, take away, that's their business. But as far as I'm concerned... The book is the go-to authority on Dulce. There's issues outside of Dulce. People can talk about that. That's not my concern because I didn't investigate any of that stuff. My dad wasn't involved in some of that stuff. But if it comes to Dulce, 
this book will will set it straight and at least it's established from someone credible, not just someone that heard about it or heard from a friend that talked to a friend that knew someone in the military or one of those stories. It's from the source and it gets the, it sets a record straight and that's that was one of my goals. Well, and also, uh, Greg, and I, I've been kind of saying this for years, if you're a local and you have a history in a particular location with the local people, they trust you. And they're willing to talk to you and they're willing to um, go to you for help and they're willing to open up. If you're coming in from the outside and trying to establish anything, especially in a community like around the Hickory and, and the Dulce or anywhere in northern New Mexico, I mean, some of the Penitente communities will run you out of the pitchfork. Um, it's very difficult for an outsider to go in there and, and really gain any headway. And that's, that's why I think your dad and your, now your work, taking your dad's work and presenting it uh, in, in a concise manner for the first time in public, I think it's invaluable. And, you know, my hat's off to you. I really, again, I want to say you did an amazing job to your first attempt at being a writer. I mean, I wish that my book was that good, you know. And you, you really did have... Uh, I mean, like every single thing that you have in your book, you're able to go to paperwork, you're able to go to documentation, you're able to go to conversations um, that have been established. And my hat's off to you on that, because there's very few books in this realm that that you can go to almost every fact and and have it backed up like that. And that's really a a testament to your your dedication on this. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. I think that comes from my law enforcement background. I try not to make it sound like a police report, which is kind of hard, but don't. Um, yeah. No, you, you know, did a good, real good job. That's what my dad did for a living. That's what I do for a living. If I'm going to put something on paper, I'm going to support it and back it up. I'm not going right. to romanticize it or spin it. spin it or, you know, create what I might think it is. If, if there's something that's great, a lot of this stuff is great. The book tells you it's great. Right. If it's proven, then it's proven. And if it's not, then you, it's not. But, um, I think that's what's gotten people into trouble in the past is they've kind of just spun things without documenting it. And when it's one of those things, once you start lying and you can't back it up, you have to lie more to continue it. So I think that's what's done a lot of these other guys in trouble in the past is they're factually, they're not correct when they start their story. So it just goes downhill pretty quick after that. Also, this subject does have a tendency to weed out sort of people that may be a little twitchy, maybe not strong uh, emotionally, um, grounded uh, emotionally. If there's a wobble in your personality or in your energy field, if you will, uh, it's, you're going you're gonna to spin wildly out of control at some point. And that's, that's why this subject uh, matter, I think, burns a lot of people out. Um, you met Tom Adams, for instance, and, and knew Tom. Uh, in 99, he disappeared. He's been off the map 13, 14 years. Nobody knows, uh, except one person that we know of that's been in contact with him. There's a person that actually, you know, lost it. And there's other people. There's examples of that. Paul Benowitz at the, at, at points was almost driven crazy. You know what? We'll be driven crazy if we don't bring it to an end right here, Chris. Greg Valdez, you have a site up yet or someplace we can find more of what you do? It's going to be dulcebasebook.com. They keep telling me today, but it always turns into tomorrow. But dulcebasebook.com. Okay, we'll set it up and we'll get a link for you. Chris O'Brien, you have the book Stalking the Herd coming up in a couple of months. You also have our strangeplanet.com. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as the Paracast. We are the Paracast on Twitter. Or visit our web portal www.theparacast.com. Check out our forum, subscribe to our newsletter, 
I think I've covered most of it. Greg Valdez, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.